than us than they do about themselves. <laughs> yes. well, we're going to change our guest knowledge of ours of 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 us next show. Oh, I'm excited. I think we're yes, we are live now. So now Yay. Let's see if I can get the show started. I'm excited. I love this show. Oh, he started screen sharing. I feel so there special. Uh, where's our intro? There it is. There we go. In a world of divisiveness, we bring you diversity. In a world of hate, we bring you love. In a world of fear, we inspire you to live. And now, laughing, loving, and alive with your hosts, Rain Thomas, Elmer J. Howard, and Dr. Kevin. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I am the Lone Ranger. Oh, I love that. I am the guy from F Troop. How old do you have to be to remember that show? Which I don't one? That show. F Troop or the Lone Ranger? No, which one? Which which one from F Troop? I can't remember. I only seen reruns, you know. <laughs> uh, well, so you're the Lone Ranger. You are actually one of the actors that was on F Troop just passed away in the last couple. Yeah, of months. yeah, I saw yeah. that. I saw that. I can't remember his name, but I saw that. I was like, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, and I'm deaf because that music was way too loud. <laughs> i loved it i thought that was classic yeah for some for some reason sometimes when the music plays through zoom it like maxes out my my volume well i like it right, i'm gonna you, ask the question i'm trying to still get my hearing back what what, what did you say <laughs> oh. oh boy hey i have a question Yes, Melody. Elmer, with your yes. 3,000 awards for your new piece, um, how are you doing? How has it been since I last saw you two weeks ago? <laughs> well, we're up over 30 awards for the short film now. Uh, uh, the latest counting. The latest statuette I got is of David uh, back there in the corner. That actually was made in Italy. It was the Florence, oh, I love it. Florence Film Awards. Very nice. So I can't wait. And the next invitation, I promise you, I will drop everything and be there. I don't care if I have to play the role of a banana. <laughs> well, the next narrative, like I said, I think we're going to be doing the first episode in Hawaii or the Virgin Islands. I'm not sure which yet. That's okay. I'm ready uh, so, for both. So, so there's my, my question is, because I know that these films have to have money raised. 
So is it crucial to the story to be in either one of those places? Yeah, the first episode is on their honeymoon in a tropical place. So I can't fake that in Maine. We can buy a couple of palm trees and set them up in the back door yard. You can use my hot tub. I can yeah. have a couple of the little hula girls on the edge. Going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can sing the Don Ho theme song. Tiny bubble. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it very tropical, but don't take away me going to Hawaii or the Virgin Islands or wherever it is we're going to shoot this. They the rest of the episodes. Of you, they're not going to let either one of you into the Virgin Islands. Neither one of you qualify. I qualify, young man. Go west. <laughs> well, well, how many years does it take to qualify? <laughs> I, I probably qualify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm sending a sympathy card to your husband, Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. He's probably sound asleep. I think I went to bed at three this morning. He went to bed at like five. We were both back up because, you know, the errands never stop, right? There's all sorts of stuff going on. And you know how that goes. I this My birthday is coming up soon. And I want to make it, like I do every year, something big and fun and exciting. So... Yeah, well, when is when is, isn't your birthday month later in the year, like August or is it June? I start. It's all of June, but it goes June. right through to August and September and November. So I, after June thirtieth, I go June thirty first, June thirty second, <laughs> June thirty eighth. <laughs> so just no, 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 no. Yes, yes. Um, and speaking of doing big things, July, Dr. Kevin, July fourth here. Don't you bleed really? into you could, my you could, month? You could have up to July 29th. Because mine's mm. July 30th. So oh Brian's is no, uh, no. July 28th. No, 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 no. You oh, are come you on, are sharesies. <laughs> sharesies. No. This this show is laughing, loving. And sharing. <laughs> when did we okay. change the name? Just so, now. On my so, so, yes. Yeah, so somebody wants to know if you're Wrangler Jane, which is why I called her Melody before, because Wrangler Jane was played by an actress. Melody Patterson played Wrangler Jane on F Troop. Yes. So, so tell me, Wrangler Jane, besides your twice a month set up to have salt put into your wound uh, by Mr. Elmer so you can whine about it. What else is going on in your life? Well, I, um, I, just, <laughs> sent, I just sent out um, over, I, I don't know, hundreds of orders of lip glosses. And so we'll uh, celebrate some survivors in June, which I do every year, you know, for my birthday, it's but to me, it's the gift of giving. So surprising some people that won't see stuff coming. And so if you get a thank you card in the mail from somebody, a lot of times, I, I not a lot of times, most of the times I do not put my name on it. I put somebody else's name who's a donor, who is given in some form, in kind or, you know, with money throughout the year. So if you get like some random thank you card and you're like, who is this from? It, it might not be anybody I know either. It's just, you know, getting vetted names. So that's going on. And um, what else is going on? I, 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I had lots of wine orders. I filled all of those. I thought tonight, because our guest is such a sharp dresser, I would honor him with my hat. I mean, what you think? Yeah, I, I noticed that he uh, definitely has an array of headdresses. Uh, <laughs> <I would just, laughs> headdresses, okay. You know, so Dr. Kevin, dresses you? his head, right? Yeah, huh? yeah. What's been going on with you in the last few weeks? Well, I had an exciting, for me, an exciting day because when I do something that other people may go, you find that exciting? Um, it's like, yes, because my life runs so hectic, so chaotic, so busy that when I have a day like I had yesterday where I bought four blueberry plants and got them in my side yard, three lilac trees and dug them out through the stones and gravel that they put on. I, there's like this much topsoil. And when I dug down, all I hit was stone, stone. <laughs> Thank God it's legal to be stoned now. Um, but, uh, but oh, uh, and I got in two strawberry plants and a raspberry plant, and and got my whole deck of hanging plants filled up for the season, so that they'll be dragged. They'll go from the deck all the way down to the ground with beautiful hanging flowers all season long. So the front, I, the front, the front or the back. Uh, the lilacs are in the back. They're going to be the back deck. The uh, blueberry plants are on the side yard in the fairy garden, right over by where the hot tub is. And on the other side of the house, because it gets the most sun, are the two strawberry plants that already have strawberries on them and a raspberry plant. So, and then that front deck area is where I got all the hanging flowers. So literally just to be able to spend a whole day, ignore my phone, go nowhere near my computer, do nothing to do with business, and just play with my husband with our hands in the soil was just joyful. I'm with you on that one. You know what's funny is that, you know, obviously we are so opposite of each other and being here in the desert, people think you can't grow anything, but this will be my third year growing figs and kumquats, wild strawberries. Uh, a couple of years ago, I grew the most amazing melons. I mean, pomegranates grow wild here. It's, it's interesting. I'm also doing a guava pineapple tree this year. So it's interesting because people think you can't grow anything here, but stuff grows and it's just delicious. We have this uh, same thing, but it's not stones. I think it's called kalechi where it's like clay. And so you have to put topsoil on it. And but so I just started growing stuff in the house and I see my fig tree is putting figs out as we speak. So um, if you can grow it, that, that to me, being out there is, that's great. I love being in the dirt and the soil and putting up flowers and trees. I, it's amazing. I dug everything like <laughs> twice as deep as the pot needed so I could put in good rich soil underneath it, put the plant in and then put it over it to, you know, really. One of my fondest scent memories from my childhood is because I grew up on the ocean and we had this huge bank of beautiful lilac trees and they were purple mm. and red and, and white and 
dark purple and light purple. And once lilac season started, every time you got a sea breeze, it would go through the lilac. Oh, yeah. And I would smell the sea breeze through the lilacs. And I actually tried to create a cologne out of it once to see if I could actually find a cologne because it just, I just smell that smell. And of course, I'm not on the ocean here, so I don't get that salt part of it. But when I can go anywhere and I can get that combination, I just, I feel my blood pressure come down. I just relax. I just go, I just bliss out. Oh, I get it. I, I totally get it. Hey, I forgot one thing. Hey, you guys, guess what? I'm going back to Mayberry Days this year. I've been invited back as the prune queen. What about da, da, da. a fig queen? Should we make no, you a they fig don't queen? No, prunes, you know, they're my number one. We're doing the prunes are sexy all the way. I've, I've been invited back and I am really excited. That's one of my favorite festivals. That and Rocket Boys. Those are like my two favorite festivals ever. How come you're not growing a plum tree? Then you could have your own prunes. You know what? I have a friend here who has an enormous plum tree and she and I are working together to create our own prune wine this fall. So funny you should say that. Yeah, she has an enormous one. Yeah, well, um, you know, because prunes are such a symbol of exactly what happens from birth to death with us. That's, Old, that's actually really shriveled. true. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you are not even you putting me on that one. No, so, sir. As this show gets old and shriveled, uh, <laughs> Rain, do you want to introduce our guests? You know what? I, I think I do. This guy, you know, I love, love, love all the people that we bring on. And I love other people who say, hey, Rain, I think you'd want to talk to my friend because you, know, you guys know me. I get on the phone and talk. If I don't think you're going to work, you're out of here. But I talked to this gentleman. I already knew who he was, you know, on, I mean, just one of the finest drummers. You guys know my husband's been a drummer and this is someone he just absolutely loved. I mean, any drummer, any musician, and as a vocalist, I study his licks, you know, everything just awesome and then one day I you know Homer Hickam who I play his mom and he also plays my son and my husband I know that's a whole West Virginia thing <laughs> but uh <laughs> he said you got to talk to my friend Zora you two have the same spirit and I think you'll get along and then like this came up Whoa! and then in the mail I got this book which I started reading and it was all about being inspired and inspiring others and yeah you know, so you know what this man needs no introduction Zoro, i am so glad you're here yeah oh thank you rain it's very sweet of you it's uh, my honor and privilege to be here thanks for having me as a guest on your guys's show and Zoro, i have a question for you right off the bat yep so um so that we can get rain to stop complaining about Elmer not having her in the movie and he's trying to get this series and he needs to raise all this money to do it because it has to take place. Can you just loan Elmer your backdrop and he can just have <laughs> the honeymoon scene in front of it and then we can get this thing going and Rain can stop whining about it. Uh, just as a favor to me personally, I have to live with this every two weeks. I can, <laughs> I can send you that photo of, of this. Uh, it's actually, that's, that's a real place. 
that's I actually took that photo. That's in a place called uh, Sardinia, Italy. Oh yes, and that's uh, great food. Yes, amazing, and that's that's a hotel called the Calle de Volpe. In fact, we were talking about James Bond movies earlier before we started the broadcast. There's a movie with when Roger Moore was James Bond called The Spy Who Loved Me, old movie mm -hmm. 70s. Well, there's a scene where he drives out in a Lamborghini out of the water and he drives out of the little bay and then he rolls a window down and throws a fish out. Well, that's the, that's the actual hotel where he drove his little car out of there in the uh, the spy who loved me so it's an island in Italy called Sardinia and it's absolutely gorgeous so that's I'll send you that picture send him the there link to go. that hotel that's where we want to stay and shoot that there that you scene. go there, there you, go. you know it's funny you say that because you guys you you know we had Vinny Tortorich on here who's the no sugar no grains guy and his significant other is a Bond girl. So every oh, wow. time you say James Bond, yeah, Serena, she's she's lovely too. Vinny's a great guy and we had him on here and um, he'll be back. And, but we were talking about that same scenery. So obviously everything's going full circle here with this show. Hilarious. No sugar, no what, no grains? No sugar, no grains. Yes, he is the CEO, the VP, the MVP is a living, walking, testimony to taking care of your body and once I started no sugar no grains years ago with my husband it's great it's you know the answer to getting rid of cancer cells clarity you know staying fit it's I love it amazing yeah interesting yeah so Zorro who is your favorite bond since you brought it up we just want to know I would have to say Sean Connery uh, oh. but that could be because, you know, I grew up in the era where those, when I was a little kid, my uh, older brother would take me to the Bond movies. And I guess I, I would say every time I watched the Bond movie, I was probably seven, eight, you know, nine years old. But every time he would take me to one, they were the Sean Connery ones, like You Only Live Twice, Diamond <laughs> Are Forever, Goldfinger. And every time I'd come out of the theater, he'd remind me that I would say, that's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's exactly what you'd say when you're seven or eight. When, but because Sean Connery was the first Bond that I ever saw, uh, and even if I hadn't, even if he wasn't the first, I, I just think he's the most authentic of the characters. Um, I enjoyed Roger Moore, but he wasn't as, as gritty as Sean Connery and uh, Timothy Dalton nothing real memorable and then George Lazenby he only did one movie in Her Majesty's Secret Service I mean I think Daniel Craig is good is that the new guy but I, yeah. I think yeah. Connery to me sort of defined the Bond character and um, you know it'd be interesting if everyone who'd seen all the Bond movies would say who, who was there you have to see them all before you can make the judgment also right. you have to be forgiving of what we talked about earlier which those mm -hmm. earlier Bond movies are paced about uh, one third the speed of the new ones they're they just they're edited so fast and they move so fast doesn't mean it's better storytelling it's just a different type of cinema mm -hmm. but uh i i prefer uh the james bond thing uh on, on a whole nother note i don't know if you guys know one of my favorite childhood movies of course you wouldn't know but one of my favorite childhood movies <laughs> is called chitty chitty bang bang with oh with dick van dyke and it's it's a classic it's a musical but most people would never put two and two together. That, that, that book was written by Ian Fleming, the same one who wrote all the James Bond novels. So Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is written by Ian Fleming. 
And the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with Dick Van Dyke was uh, produced by Albert Broccoli, who produced all the Bond films. So there's a whole tie in there with this. And, and the music in that movie, which is fantastic, is the, is the Sherman brothers who wrote all the Mary Poppins mm -hmm. stuff, half of the Disney mm -hmm. stuff. They wrote all the songs to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Not that any of you had asked for this information, <laughs> but but just thought that you might want to know. Most people would never put those two together, the Bond thing and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but it is an Ian Fleming novel. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, and the music was done by those the Disney guys. Well, now I have to watch you know, it you again. Have, now you have, I bet you have two debonair men that are known for their very unique cars. I mean, I see the connection. <laughs> yeah, well, and the connection is, think about it, it's very spy oriented. I mean, he spies on the, you know, it's, I mean, it's a fantasy, but it, it's like a spy espionage type of thing. And he's trying to get the kids out. And yeah, it is, that is a very cool car when I was a kid seeing the, the flying mobile, you know, the flying machine. And later uh, in, in my career, I got a chance to go visit that place where it was filmed, which is in Bavaria. That castle is the famous castle that Disneyland is modeled after. Uh, the Cinderella mm. Castle. It's called the Schweinstein. It's in the uh, in the mountains in Bavaria, and it's surrounded by this gorgeous lake and beautiful mountains. It's one of the most beautiful places on the earth, and that was all filmed there. Uh, you know, at that particular castle, and uh, I took my son there when he was twelve on a, a father and son trip to that castle and that region, uh, which is just just gorgeous uh but yeah that castle cinderella castle looks like the castle in chitty chitty bang bang where the car flew in wow the long movie just remember it's a long movie when i was a kid you'd watch it you'd have to um you know you'd go to the bathroom in the commercials because there was no video so you and they would only play it once a year so you were never yeah. gonna see it again like the wizard of oz you weren't gonna <laughs> see it twice or on video you didn't know that would ever exist so you really paid attention but it was a very long film it took, you know, it's about, I think it's about a three-hour movie. So can you imagine mm -hmm. with commercials, you're there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that they, I think that they should go back, especially because in some of the movies that they like to tell, they try to keep it within, you know, this like 90-minute thing. Yeah. But it used to be all the old movies, you just would have a break in the middle. You'd have Dr. Zhivago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you'd go, you know, you'd go and you'd get more popcorn and you'd get more drinks and you'd get, get the chance to stand up and move. And then you'd sit down and you'd be entertained again. Yeah. And, you know. They did I, that in all those uh, epics. You, you'd see it in Gone with the Wind. There was an intermission. Mm -hmm. You would see it in the Ten Commandments, the Cecil B. DeMille epics. They all had an intermission, and you're right. You'd go and get popcorn and stretch in the theater and come back. It would back then movies. They're not so much anymore now. Now people watch movies and they're on their phone. They're doing ten trillion things. Mm -hmm. not paying attention. But back then movies were an event, and the theater right. was an event. It was you parked yourself there for the whole afternoon, and you paid attention the whole time. You weren't on your iPhone mm -hmm. looking up recipes on the Food Network. You know, you you were literally 
engrossed in this moment that was not going to and also i love the old theaters i grew up in uh mm-hmm. in la and and you know my mother used to take me to long beach to to go to the movies at this wonderful theater called the crest theater and it had those red velvet curtains that ruched and they yep. open up and the lights behind it i mean it would be like the movie be presented in such a magnificent way you know now that you go to the movie theaters it's like there's no magic there's no anything it's just bam it just starts and they would have the cartoons too the great mickey mouse mm-hmm. donald duck too a couple of them to set the whole thing up it really was an experience an event that i don't think we'll ever feel that way again because there's so many distractions now um just in, in and, general and they used to do the news reels oh yeah they have mm-hmm. the little mm-hmm. news reels of what's going on and that was also when they would have all of the uh kind of the political by u.s bonds yeah uh-huh. you know all of the mm-hmm. politically incorrect shit um, <laughs> yeah no <laughs> they I would have in the, yeah, yeah so, so going to the movies is not the event it used to be. A lot of time going out to dinner is not the event it used to be. I used to go out to dinner with with my father. Papa and I were very close and we'd have four hour dinners. I mean, you know, you sat there and you had all these courses and you took a break between each course. You killed a couple bottles of wine. You know, the wine bottles got bigger after I got to be six or seven because I could hold more. But, you know, going out, (laughs) There was this like whole event. Um, do you think that the same hurry up and I'm multitasking and you can only have three seconds of my attention has affected music goers? Are uh, you seeing the same thing happen when you play music? Are you still playing music live? I'm assuming yes, you are. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. no, I, I, it's, it's across the board. I, I was telling people the other day, you know, as much as I, enjoy what modern technology has been able to bring us and some of the conveniences and the and the quick information i mean you know all that stuff you know there's it's a double-sided sword it's a blessing and a curse at the same time but mm-hmm. all for all the things the information you can get your fingertips on in a split second back when i was a kid mm-hmm. you know i drooled over mm-hmm. the fact that you can have an encyclopedia we never had the full set we always had like a couple of them that you get from safeway if you buy a tortilla or whatever you buy <laughs> and you get one free funk and wagnalls you know the a letter and then <laughs> you buy a toilet brush then you get like the b you know and we always had this mismatch set with a couple of letters but my dream was like to have the full <laughs> in, in Britannica, encyclopedia britannica where all the information of the world was at the fingertips right so now you could just find something in an instant but the trade and the exchange for that is when i grew up with my mother and we would listen to music in the car we had a unified experience. We all listened to whatever was on the radio at the same time. So if it was the Temptations or the Supremes or Elvis or Frank Sinatra, we were all experiencing that together. And so we have these unified memories, whereas the families and the children of today, you're in the car with your five or six kids and everyone's listening to something different mm-hmm. their own headphones, everyone's watching something different. There are no longer the near the amount of unified experiences people went so it'll be interesting to see in like 50 years from now when these people these kids are older what their memories will be of their childhood because there will not be as many unified memories because there weren't they were doing separate things and then when people go out to dinner you know no one knows how to handle just empty space anymore 
no one knows how to handle just open time without preoccupying yourself with something. You order the dinner and then people are immediately back on their phones and not engaging. So I think you lose a little bit of the humanity, the relationship, the bonding, and the closeness that makes humans humans. Uh, and you exchange it for this technology of meandering and wandering and looking at things that really aren't making you closer with your family or your friends. There's, there, it's separating people from each other. But, you know, it's the reality of, of progress. You're progressing in one area, but I also believe you're regressing in another. And I don't know that it'll ever stop, but it is, it is going to be a different experience for people. Well, and, you know, we do have somebody that's been writing in, and I guess I'm on Facebook tonight. So I want to want to honor that we have Raina, Raina Quantrell-Dean, somebody who I know is a Rain, is a, is a prune fan. Um, <laughs> but she talked about that she loved Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. She was also a Sean Connery Bond fan. And she said she remembered getting dressed up to go to the movies. And um, you know, yes. I, I remember getting dressed up to go to the movies because it was an event and the theater. I mean, I remember doing, having, this was like still in the probably late 70s, early 80s, where I was going on a first date with this guy and I got tickets to go see a show and I show up with a suit and tie and I'm ready to go. And, he has like jeans and a t-shirt and, and I'm like, you are not so going into a play with me wearing that. Yeah. <laughs> what a major fight. I mean, you just didn't do it. Yeah. It was a different era also. And, and it's interesting. You guys were talking about hats earlier because, you know, I wear lots of different hats. I heard you guys mentioning that I have a collection of headgear hats or whatever but that along the lines of dressing yeah there was a time when america when they went on an airplane or to a concert or to the theater or to the movies where everyone dressed up and i don't know at what point in general where it moved to this very casual thing but now people even like to go on a cruise or something now people walk off the cruise ships in their you know, uh, cargo shorts and stretch pants and Thanksgiving pants and whatever. It, like nobody cares what they look like anymore. It's like nope. it, 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 we have no shame at all. It's like that Sebastian Meniscalco uh, uh, comedian. He, just, <laughs> he goes, he does this whole thing. Aren't you embarrassed? You know, you show up to the hotel in, in Las Vegas. It's a five hundred dollar night hotel and you're showing up with a cooler and your joe foreman grill you know what i mean it's a, yep. aren't you embarrassed it's uh the culture is now super casual nobody really there's no pride in the way you look in general i'm speaking in general mm -hmm. but it was a different era and also you remember in if you look at the old sears catalogs and the old movies in the 40s from, from the from the late 1800s to the 40s everyone in culture wore hats Everywhere you saw every man when they went to the football game, the baseball game, everybody wore hats. And then somewhere in the 50s, it started to change and the hat culture changed and it was no longer, people weren't wearing hats. And I, I heard, I don't know if the theory is true, I'd like to research it more, but I heard that uh, part of the reason was the, uh, the automobiles, uh, in the older automobiles, like in the I Love Lucy, Fred Mertz, Ethel, mm -hmm. you know, Mertz days, those, those, the cars, the, they were very tall above the head. And then cars started getting shorter, like sports cars, and, and you couldn't fit your hat 
in the car because it, st it would start to hit the ceiling. And somehow, because cars changed, people stopped wearing hats. But if you look at any old movies, Fred McMurray, all those movies that are black and white, almost always men and women were wearing hats. I mean, I missed that because that was part of the cool vibe of the culture. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, everybody wore hats, Sammy Davis. But yeah, you know, things change over time, but it is interesting to see what 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 changes things and where where did we, where did it become so casual that it didn't really matter what you looked like anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you know, where it wasn't what 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 is special if nothing is special? Right. Going to the theater or a concert or a, a, a production if that's not special enough to dress up, then what is special? I mean, are we going to show up in our cargo right. shorts to the wedding? I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, it's, oh, it's yeah. interesting because I remember the changeover because I used to love doing cruise ships. Cruise ships are one of my favorite things to do. And it used to be that, you know, I would go on cruises and you'd have to pack a tux or rent one because you couldn't go to the formal dinner if you didn't. They wouldn't let you in. Right. And right. That, that was right up until the two, early 2000s. And I stopped going on cruises. I mean, I remember the maitre d' would have a tie because at the very least you had to wear a tie on dress night or they offered to bring your dinner to your room mm -hmm. if you didn't want to dress up, but you couldn't go in the main, you, you weren't allowed in. It was just, there was just no question about it. And the maitre d', I remember uh, Papa and I being on a cruise ship and him lending Papa his tie. and. My father was such a rebel that he put the tie on and he had it. He had the like the tie part of the tie down here, and three oh, buttons yeah. open on his shirt. But he had that tie on, so they <laughs> couldn't keep him out. He wanted his escargot, <laughs> and uh, you know. So, but the last time I went on a cruise ship, they were like, "Well, we don't really enforce that anymore, and we have these little dining." And I never went back. Yeah. It was like the last hurrah of you dressed up for some occasions, you had a reason. I mean, I got two tuxes upstairs. I can't remember the last time I wore one. And God yeah. knows more suits than I can count. Go ahead. It's different. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I had been uh, going to Monaco, Monte Carlo since about 1980. So, you know, about 40 years going there back and forth. But there was a time when cruise liners never stopped there. So it was a very sort of secluded area. And it looked just like people dressed just like in the Bond movies, because a lot of those were filmed there, you know, and Sean Connery and the casino scenes in the beginning, you know. But then, you know, as the years went on, and then they let the cruise liners in there. That's when people just show up looking like they just woke up. And it sort of yeah. took away a little bit of the panache, a little bit of the elegance, you know, because you would oh you would never dare go to Monaco without looking totally elegant. Doesn't make people any less or any better. It's just it's just nice when there's some reason for people to look their best, you know. Um, and so I, I miss a little bit of that, you know, just in the culture in general. But enough about that. Uh, I don't know how we got. Well, that. you know, I I'm <laughs> glad you brought that up because as a musician, I take great pride in being on stage. I think it's a privilege and an honor to perform for people. So, you know, when I put, when the band or any band I play with, they're like, oh, well, we were just playing in the park. I'm going to, I'm like, no, no, no. The people deserve to see you look like a professional. You don't have to wear a suit because it's warm, but I want you to have on a nice shirt. Don't roll out of bed and roll on stage. That's, that's not, because I'm old school. Yeah, because um, yeah. Yeah, to me, there's something about the, 
anticipation of getting dressed and having people see you come out on stage and starting the whole thing. I mean, you understand that completely, yeah. just, you know, the era. If you ever want to taste of it, and this is the three of you, um, the Bird Theater in Richmond, Virginia is one of my favorite places ever. They still have, it's 99 cents or $1.99, depending on if it's the weekend or the week. And the cast, which they are, they dress in the Roaring Twenties. People get dressed up, stand online and wait. And sometimes they'll do old movies, old black and white. So you dress for the era and it's 99 cents and they have the big velvet curtains and they do intermission. The guy comes out of the floor and the world's, you know, organ. And then they show the reels. So if you ever, ever, ever want to go and get a taste of that old school with old popcorn and real butter, you got, you got to go to the bird theater. That's awesome. In fact, if you think about it in the original days of the theater and stuff, when there was no, when, when pictures were silent, you know, musicians were hired and drummers were hired to play in the pit in the actual mm -hmm. orchestra in the theater because there was no movie scores, there was no sound. So they, and they provided all sorts of little sounds and wood blocks and effects in the Charlie mm -hmm. Chaplin movies. And you would literally uh, be listening to live music accompanying the film itself. And I think there's, you lose a little bit of the mystique. Now, different bands are different, you know, and different styles of bands and different eras dress different. But I think the audience uh, has always enjoyed seeing musicians on stage and an act on stage that doesn't look exactly the way they look, that, that, that it seems otherworldly, like you're seeing something special. And so when you would see, you know, in the 60s and the Supremes or the Temptations would get up there and they're mm -hmm. all dressed in these fabulous gowns with beads and sequins i mean if they just went up there in like you know cargo shorts and a tank top the music's still going to sound the same but you don't feel like you're being treated right. something that's extra special and so there's right. something about performing and looking different it's almost like the reason i don't like a lot of the newer televisions if you notice the the real the latest televisions the 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 uh, the the dpi or whatever they call it they're so clean looking that that looks like you're watching the filming of a movie and not a movie anymore right it is so clean that it feels like a soap opera it feels like one of those things you're watching in the 80s like a video and i go it doesn't feel like a movie anymore because there was enough of a buffer between me and what was happening there because the, you, they didn't have such high resolution and now the resolution is so high I hate watching movies like that because I feel like it looks like I'm on set watching the filming of it and it no longer feels, and it's the same thing on stage. If, if, if they're, if you're too much exactly like them, there's no separation to where you're having mm -hmm. this magical experience that's different than your everyday life. Uh, and people dress different for different eras and different bands, but that's what I always enjoyed about like groups like earth Wind, and fire. When you, mm -hmm. when, you go, when you would go see them, this was like, magic like they literally used magic like they had doug henning but like this was an otherworldly experience besides the music was just off the hook you were also looking at these amazing costumes that were designed with such love and care and it just it took you to another place and i think you still have to that's what makes entertainment entertainment you know is that it's 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 got this magical theatrical thing to it that was earth wind and fire's goal always was to bring like the the power of like theater 
to like a concert. Mm -hmm. No one was quite doing it quite on that level and, and yet have this music that was just pulsating and pounding with groove and melody and harmony. And it made for one of the greatest eras of live music. So what did you think of Queen? Oh, they were fantastic. I mean, they were, they were they, but they were stripped down. You know what I mean? It was, it was a totally a different, like I said, different people brought different styles. And then the whole grunge thing brought the like, hey, let's all wear lumberjack shirts because we don't care. You know, rock and roll and music has always been about statements and about rebellion and about different things. But, you know, it, it, and, then it, and then they influenced trends and then pretty soon everybody's wearing the, the sort of the, the flannel lumberjack shirt after the whole uh, the Seattle grunge scene, you know, and then other bands just like, like, we don't care. And so it's just, you know, t-shirts and jeans and, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong, but there's something cool about whatever you do, whether, whether you're in, whether you're in t-shirts or sequence, music's really about making people feel something whether it's rock and roll country jazz you know jazz guys used to dress up man it was all suits and ties you know Disney Gillespie and Miles but in the end it's not so much musically it's not so much what you dress like that mattered music movies books are really about one thing and one thing only and they all have the same goal it's to elicit emotion to make people mm -hmm feel something, feel something deeply in the written word or through the song or through the, the film, the images. It's about making people feel something. And there is a limitless way to make people feel something because we are limitless uh, creations as human beings that, that you know, no, no two of us have the same fingerprints. You can have 10 great actors playing either Martin Luther King or Elvis Presley. And if you get the 10 best, best actors in the world who slightly resemble them, they will pull it off, but each one will do it in their own mm -hmm. unique way with their own fingerprint. Even though they're playing a highly recognizable character that we all know, they'll all nail it, but they'll all do it in their own way. And so that's what makes being creative as human beings very interesting is think about all the books there are. Think about how many motivational books there are. And yet everyone's using the same word base of knowledge to say what they're saying, but everybody mm -hmm. says it in a slightly different way. And to some people, they go, oh, I really get this guy's work or I get her work or I get whatever because people receive differently from different people. That's why like when we were in school, we like certain teachers we connect with, but not others. They're not that they're bad teachers. It's just that we, we connect with the way this person taught. And so art is the same way. There's a million different ways that somebody could use the color yellow when they paint. It's, it's limitless. And, and, and uh, limitless writers, what makes them interesting is they have the same words available to all the same writers, but they're all going to assemble them in a different magical way and tell, tell the same story in a different way. And so that's what, that's what makes us uniquely human and, and, and interesting. But the job is the same of all the mediums which is to make somebody feel something deeply. And I suppose you can do that in a tank top. You could do it in a, in a sequence gown. It doesn't matter. Uh, but the bottom line is the clothes don't matter as much as the message being taught. We're just reminiscing about an era when people put a little bit more thought 
or pride into their appearance, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be as uh, is, is important, which is fine. You know, everything changes. And then, of course, everything goes back to what it used to be. You, know, you get rid of your flared bell bottoms in the 70s, and then, you know, the 2000s are back again. So, you know, everything repeats itself. Pants can either only get shorter or longer. <laughs> they could get tapered up <laughs> or tapered down. You know, I mean, you know, and, and eventually things recycle themselves you know and they they repeat themselves and, and then it seems like i i love a nostalgic uh, i'm very nostalgic so i have like a pretty nice collection of old sears catalogs you know from the 20s to all the way on through the 70s and it's interesting yeah i look at some of the fashions in the 30s and i'm going whoa this is crazy they had the super flared bell bottoms and the you know like i'm like you think that it was only the 70s but they were already doing that like mm -hmm. in the 30s you know, and then mm -hmm. you, so that's what I mean by like, you know, a lapel can only be so wide or so narrow and they just, they go back and forth. But when you look in these catalogs and you see how people dressed, you go, oh, well, everything eventually sort of repeats itself. Uh, and with different, you know, they, they come up with different materials and, and newer inventions of fabric and stuff. But yeah, uh, it's interesting. Anyway, um, sorry, we got so, off. So that's okay. I just wanted to share a comment. I was just waiting for a breath. <laughs> uh, uh, Brent Larry Offner. I'm Larry O, the guitarist. Is I don't know if that's somebody you know, Rain. If that's somebody you know, but he weighed in. I, I I'm assuming he's saying hello. He just says I'm Larry O, the guitarist. Raina also talked about going back to school in her 50s, and the kids in Compass wore flannel pants, sleep pants to class which is better than not showing up at all. So, you know, <laughs> okay. one of the things I want to challenge for a second is it does create an experience that is very different. And within the experience, the emotions can change. So when you have an experience, like I always think, you know, I've, I've, you know, I'm not somebody that's gone to thousands of concerts, but I've gone through a few concerts. And I remember the experience of a Judy Garland concert, a Liza Minnelli concert, a George Michael concert, a Madonna concert. They gave me different experiences. And even though in some cases, and we see everything old is new again. And you know, you see these concerts where you had the period with Frank Sinatra where he was alive and then Tony Bennett, where you've got these newer performers that are going back and singing the classic songs. But you, you watch that I, I know that I had a different experience by what was being presented by how they dress. I mean, like one of the one of one of the better better concerts I ever saw. One of the, was Liza Minnelli. She could put on a show in her heyday. Well, probably not so much anymore, but you know. So I do think that um, the statement of the clothes and the setting and the choreography, if there is choreography in that, I think that actually adds or sh could even shift the emotion. Absolutely. And we used to have a lot. Yeah, we used to have a lot more fantasy. 50s was all about fantasies. Nobody wanted the reality. Mm -hmm. 50s were horrible. We had we had all the guys coming back from World War II, post-traumatic stress syndrome. 
We were trying to shove women back into a subservient place. Wasn't going to happen. They had a taste of freedom. And we put it all on TV and Madison Avenue lied through its teeth, making everybody feel somehow like they were wrong because they weren't what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. Nobody was Father Knows Best. Nobody was Donna Reed. And the illusion and the movie illusion to the TV illusion and the evolution of it, um, again, you know, I think people fought back because, you know, it got to the point where I can't be Donna Reed. My dress never looks as good. My crinoline is never as starch. My lipstick is, I think that it was an act of frustration of we were given a, a world that was so out of sync with the world that we were living. And um, when it was the movies, th they were like magical and you had willing suspension of disbelief. When it came into your living room and it was supposed to be representational of daily life, it sent a separate set of messages. And I think that that's what we started watching some of these shifts. Just some thoughts I had when you were speaking. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to know how you compare the audience that comes to your concert today versus the audience that came in the first few years of when you were just Zorro, the guy playing the drum, not Zorro the drummer. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously audiences change based on like who you're playing with. You know, because the different bands attract different types of, you know, fan base and all that. So um, that that changes through the year. We it's funny how m music. I, I think of all the mediums. I love everything. I'm a, I'm a film collector. I'm a film buff. I love books. But would you 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 might agree when you think about like if you think about songs that you grew up with, that music makes a, a, a imprint on your soul that's different than movies. Like you can remember exactly where you were when that song came out. You can visualize the car you were in or the bicycle you were on, what, what school you went to. Whereas I could watch a movie like six months ago and I start watching it and I go, this looks familiar. And I'm halfway through the movie and go, oh, I've seen this before. But songs, they make an imprint on your soul that you do never, you never forget. You, it's like this timeline. And if it's something you grew up listening to with your father or your mother, the song literally like takes you back there. It uh, it has this incredible uh, uh, power over your emotions, and, and 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 of all the mediums, I think it is the most evocative and most powerful music. And uh, we're so fortunate that we live in an era when you could hear uh, music live. I think live music is one of the greatest things in the world because they'll go to a concert. You're taking in the music, but you're also taking in the visuals. And like you said, the production, the, the, I mean, the production has gotten unreal. The things that they're capable of now that they couldn't do in concerts in the 50s when jazz guys just played in the club and there was no magic. The magic was the music. But just what they can do now with production. But I also think it's kind of sad that a lot of the modern music that so many people aren't really even performing fully live anymore. Everything is mm -hmm. tracks, the tracks that they're already pre-recorded and they're faking along with it. I mean, when you went to hear bands in the seventies, they were live. So even if they weren't pitch perfect, they were hustling around, dancing, doing steps, jumping, doing magic. And you had to forgive the fact that maybe it wasn't perfect. But the thing that was great about, I saw Sinatra when I was like 12 years old, it was like life changing. And, that concert I saw it in Portland, Oregon, it's like 
that was that man live at that moment of his life, never to be repeated again. That exact performance was never to be repeated. You experienced something with the performer that when he left, that was it. And it makes me think about like the, the, the you know, you know who, who is responsible for all recorded music? Does anybody know who's really the one responsible why we can even hear music uh, again? Was, was Thomas Edison. Thomas yeah. Edison is the one who invented the little machine, the first machine that where he said something and it could repeat back to him. That never existed before him. So think about it. Prior to that, any music you ever heard in your entire mm -hmm. existence could only be live. So when Mozart came through town, it, you went and heard it, and all you could do is memorize the melodies in, in your head over and over and dream about hearing it again. It was once, and it was gone. So the recorded, the recorded music is one of the greatest inventions of modern civilization because we take for granted that we can go and hear Ella Fitzgerald anytime we want, or Billie Holiday anytime we want, or Frank Sinatra anytime we want, anytime we want. And it's such a great thing. You know, we, we've, we, we often, you know, forget to appreciate the things that we're just so commonly used to, right? But those things I go, wow, there was a time when nothing was except live music, you know? So I think that the, the concert experience is, is, is a great one. Anybody who's been to concerts, you, you'll remember your first concert. For sure, you'll go, oh, man, when I was 13 years old, you know, I saw whoever, Van Halen or, or Guns N' Roses or whoever it was. And you never forget not just the music you heard, but the whole overall experience of the whole thing. And it is a great connection between, you know, the performer and the audience. And I, like any other performer, I'm sure you too, Rain, you, you perform better when there's some love from the audience. Because right. if, if the audience yeah. is dead and there's no... Uh, <laughs> at all you're trying your best but you give your best when you get more out of from the people right so it's a it's an interactive thing people don't realize that but when i would do lots of concerts with lenny kravitz around the world like you know i i learned that audiences were different in different cultures it didn't mean they didn't like you but certain cultures are more stoic they don't show a lot mm -hmm. of emotion you go to germany and you go to switzerland and they love the concerts and you go to japan but they're very kind of respectful and honoring and they just you know they don't make a lot of banter you go to spain they lose their mind you know <laughs> I mean? you go to south america because latin people are known to be explosive emotionally right. and so you feel that energy and then you bring even more energy it's not that the other people don't give it the energy but different different cultures mm -hmm. are different based in their in their history and the, the genetic code of those cultures so audiences are different all around the world period uh, I, I'll do drum. I've been doing drum clinics around the world for years, and sometimes I'll get into markets. Like I remember doing a drum clinic in Croatia, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect because I'd never done a drum clinic there, but I'd done them all over in different places. But when I did the drum clinic there, I mean, I'm just a drummer, but they had posters all over the town, like it was like you know Eric Clapton was coming to town. <laughs> posters of me throughout the whole city, and I realized these people never get drum clinics. This is a privilege to them. Whereas we take it for granted. There's a drum clinic at Guitar Center every month. And so people don't care anymore. But in Croatia, mm -hmm. I was like one of the first American dudes coming over there to do a drum clinic. And so they were like hungry. And when I did that drum clinic, it was probably one of the most, and same and it was one of the most exciting drum clinics I ever did because I felt like I was doing a rock show by myself. And they were like <laughs> my longtime fans screaming because. <laughs> 
we get whenever you get something that's a privilege and you get used to it, you take it for granted. Right. We do that with people, you know, people that are precious to us. And then they, we, I call it the curse of familiarity. You know them too much. So you no longer appreciate the value mm -hmm. of who they are. Whereas the first time, maybe you did. I've had celebrity friends that I got to know. And when you first meet them, you're in awe and you revere them. And then after you get to know them, it's just so-and-so. And you almost lose respect for who they really are and what their mm -hmm. level of skill is. But when I went to Croatia, it was like, wow, I'd love to do a bunch of clinics in places where they never get it. Cause I love that the thrill of them being so thrilled with everything I did, I played my best. You know, we all play yeah. better or perform better or do better athletes too, when there's a crowd cheering you on, you know, it's an interactive thing. I, I you know what? I'm sorry, go ahead, Elma, cause you never say anything. I'm shocked. <laughs> evidence of what you were saying about you know the power of uh, of music um my housemates um uh andy's mother um before she passed had you know dementia or alzheimer's and it was pretty pretty bad and you know it affected her mood and, and everything but he took her to um uh an outside gazebo and uh, uh andy what were they playing a standard from world war two and okay. she, you know she's older and like i guess it, it came it just came back to her like she started singing and her mood changed and like and she remembered the words and it's yeah. like because like you said it has way more of an impact than anything else in this world that the, the mental emotional and physical impact music has on people it really is it really is true it has a kind of a supernatural power because here's here's a woman who can't remember anything but the song hits some part of her psyche or dna mm -hmm. And she's, it's taken her back to the 40s when she was a young girl. She remembers the lyrics. And I'm sure she could vividly see the people who were in her life then. No one really understands it. Um, there are so many things about life that are, uh, it's like Albert Einstein said, we could, we could live as though everything were a miracle or that nothing is. And he goes, I choose to mm -hmm. live as if everything were a miracle. Because we take for granted all the miraculous things that make life possible every day that are really miracles. Yes, you can scientifically explain uh, the birth of a child, a sperm gets and meets an egg and then life happens, but nobody understands the miracle of it. Like, how does it happen, the magic bean? Or that you plant a tree in the, you, you plant a seed in the ground and this magic bean turns into like a magic tree that produces something. Now we know the process. You plant a plant, you put water, you put fertilizer, you, and it grows. So we go, no big deal. But the big deal is there's this magic seed that grows something magical and you don't know how it actually works. So mm -hmm. it's the same with music. It's the same with laughter. It's the same with love. It's the same with joy. These are all the miraculous things that make life a miracle but we can choose to just negate it all. We can go, everything is a miracle. Everything is incredible. That uh, It's incredible that I can think a thought and, and, or it's incredible that all of us on this call or watching could dream up an idea that doesn't exist. And if we have the courage, the passion, the tenacity, the wherewithal to, to pursue whatever that vision is and make it a reality, it becomes something that is now manifested on the planet. Because if you look around the room that you're in right now, everything in the room at one point did not exist. At, at one point, a light bulb did not exist. A lamp did not exist. You know, uh, 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 books did not. I mean, everything at some point was in the mind of the creator, whoever created it. 
it was only in their mind. It was not in anybody else's, and everyone else thought they were crazy. You know, the, the Wright brothers, everyone thought they were crazy, right? In their mind was flight, you know? And, and, and so you just go, look at all the creativity that we have, that we take for granted that somebody, you think about things like, like a, a, a pizza, you know, dough and cheese and sauce. Yet there's a million different ways people make it, right? And, and make it different all over the world. We, and we love pizza. But at some point, somebody said, let's put these three together. And then out comes this thing. And so we're just limitless as human beings in terms of our creativity. But the, the danger is when we, lose the, when we lose our ability to be in awe over everything. I still walk around on a fall day and look at a leaf on the ground and I'm in awe of the crispness of the leaf and just plants and trees and, and how every blade of grass looks different. I mean, if you get rid of your childlike heart, you'll, you'll, you'll cease to, the world will cease to amaze you. So one of the things that keeps me going or keeps me uh, entrenched in the joy of living, because your show shows about joy and love and laughter is to appreciate it all from the heart of a child because the heart of a child thinks everything's wondrous and everything is magical right? And they just have the, everything is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, right? But the minute you get older, you start getting jaded and you go, oh, that's just a, that's just a plum tree. Or that's just a whatever. Oh, that's just a sunset. I've seen a million of those. Like, yeah, but you realize everyone's a miracle. Everyone is fascinating. Everyone, you know, so I think the way to keep your shows about love, life, joy, laughter, staying alive, I think the key to that is to, is to remain childlike, you know, because the children appreciate things that adults have taken for granted. And if everybody wants to continue to laugh and to find joy, just be a kid again, because there's a kid inside all of us. And, and there's a kid, my childhood boy lives in me and he whispers in my ear all the time. And I listen because he's the one that keeps me dreaming. He's the one who keeps me looking at the, the wondrous things of life and appreciating them because the minute he gets older, I put him off to pasture, now I just become this jaded, cynical person who can't see the magic or the beauty or the wonder in the world anymore. But- uh... Zorro, Zorro, <laughs> I wanna share something really amazing. It's amazing how quickly this time passes. We have gone over time today. Um, so we are gonna have to wrap the show down. Uh, we, are, we are beyond our hour. Uh, and so I want to go ahead, your book is out soar and um i also where can people find you can find your your yeah. book where can they find you and then we're gonna have to wrap it up sure my uh my website is zorro with one r zorro the drummer.com and so people can email me through there also uh, my instagram if they want to follow me on instagram is just one word all one word zorro the drummer and that's Z-O-R-O, -O, one R, Zorro the Drummer uh, on Instagram. Uh, and uh, yeah, and the book is called Soar, S-O-A-R, not Soar as I'm in Soar at you or Soar Loser, but <laughs> Soar as in Let's Take Flight, uh, or not I've Got a Cold Soar, but Soar, Let's Take Off. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I can't believe that time went by so fast. It's unreal. Yeah, well, It's amazing. Well We'll have to have you back because there's so much more we can talk about with you. Yeah, I mean, as, as you've learned, you brought in a guest who has things to say and I can go. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. <laughs>